0: Eagles Entertainment. Welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Hello, Eagles everywhere. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. It's Tuesday, January 19th, and who will the Eagles hire as their next head coach? We've certainly heard a lot of names, everyone from Todd Bowles, Joe Brady, how about Josh McDaniels? The, the Eagles have, have covered this from top to bottom. And as I speak, only two teams without a head coach, the Eagles and the Houston Texans. Eric Bieniemy among those interviewed, Deuce Staley among those interviewed. It has been an extensive list as the Eagles have been doing their business from Florida, from Jeffrey Laurie's home, and Well, it could happen any moment, as we know it works in this business. Things happen quickly in the NFL. As the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game are close, Buffalo at Kansas City, Tampa Bay at Green Bay, the Eagles trying to get this coaching hire in place. And then, of course, after that, there is the process of hiring the entire staff. So a lot of work to do as the Eagles not only are doing that, but preparing for the NFL draft. April 29th, the Eagles have the sixth pick in the first round, potentially 10 selections in all. Prior to that, free agency. How much can the Eagles do in free agency with what has been described as a very challenging salary cap situation? And of course the roster itself Many, many questions Headlined by the quarterback position So we will keep you up to date here On the Eagles Insider Podcast Presented by Lincoln Financial Group As the news breaks And it could be any day now Who will the next head coach be? In the meantime I thought it would be kind of fun to Get my buddy Merrill Reese back on here And talk about the four previous hires That Jeffrey Lurie has made In his time as the Eagles' owner, he's hired four head coaches. One from the defensive side of the ball, that's Ray Rhodes, and then three from the offensive side of the ball, Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson. All four started as head coaches in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles. Will that be the case in 2021? We'll find out shortly. In the meantime, let's hear from Merrill as we take a little trip down memory lane and talk about the four head coaches that Jeffrey Lurie has hired since 1995. Merrill, uh, Jeffrey Lurie, at some point here, will hire his fifth head coach. Now, um, we've both been there for the previous four head coaches, so I wanted to kind of go back and just think about, if we can recall a little trip down memory lane here, what it was like prior to Jeffrey hiring uh, Ray Rhodes and then Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, and then kind of how we feel about their tenure. So uh, let, let's begin back in 1994. Jeffrey takes over the team. Rich Kotite is 7-2, and two, and looking for a contract extension. Of course, that season went right down the tube, seven straight <laughs> losses. Eagles go 7 And, right, and right,
1: after, right after Rich Kotite said, my record
0: stands for itself. <laughs> exactly. And he lost seven straight games. Um, yeah. So uh, an interesting transition there. What do you remember about the, the period of time as we waited to see what Jeffrey Lurie would do in the state of the Philadelphia Eagles at that time?
1: Well, I do remember something very, very interesting, that the Eagles' last game of
0: the season was
1: in Cincinnati, and rumors were abounding and headlines were being written that Dick Vermeil was about to become the Eagles' next head coach. They were very, very close to signing Dick Vermeil. There were meetings. People were celebrating, and then all of a sudden, there was a disconnect between Dick Vermeil and I assume Joe Banner. So,
0: how, how do you? I mean, you? I, I would imagine you would have been very excited to see Dick Vermeil come back to Philadelphia. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, the most charismatic coach I've ever been around.
0: Instead, it was Ray Rhodes, Merrill, and um, you know, a defensive-minded coach, a, a, a tough talker. Um, I, I really liked my initial impression of Ray. Um, I, I felt that his no-nonsense ways, his San Francisco 49ers ties, the young coaching staff he put together with John Gruden as the offensive coordinator. I thought the Eagles were on the right road. and As, as it turned out, they, they were for a while. They
1: were for a while. I mean, they made the playoffs. They won a playoff game against the Lions. Uh, I, I like Ray Rhodes a lot. Well will always like Ray Rhodes a lot, but... But something went wrong along the way, and then we found out that that scowl that Ray had uh, really didn't have much behind it, that he was too nice to the players. And a lot of guys took advantage of his former player type of demeanor. Uh, Ray was a great guy, but uh, eventually it ended disastrously here. But I'll tell you, there was never a nicer person who coached this team.
0: I guess, Merle, I I remember feeling like if the Eagles could have gotten an answer at quarterback, maybe it would have worked out. But but it was it was an odd time with Ray and you know, Randall Cunningham, uh in, in a in a weird position, right? It was, it was well really Randall like was declining. Randall yeah. was having a lot
1: of problems. And uh, Ray didn't want to, but he replaced him with Rodney Pete. And uh that's how they ended up with Rodney Pete winning the playoff game against the Lions. But, uh, listen, Ray Ray was a good man. He was a good man. But uh, you're right. The quarterback
0: instability had a great deal to do with it. Let's visit the Bobby Hoying story because he was enthralling at the end of, of the, the tenure there in 1997. Um, I'm going to take some blame because I said to Ray
1: Rhodes midway through that season, we did a, a show every Monday night, if hey, you watch this quarterback from Ohio State, Bobby Hoing. And Ray said, ah, Bobby Hoyne. Bobby Hoyne. That's all you talked about, it. Bobby Hoyt. So Ray called me. Ray called me from, um, I, I don't know if they, did they, was there a com, did they have the combine then or, or the senior, uh, yeah, I think I they think did it yeah, the yeah, for sure. It, it, it yeah. might have even been the senior ball, but Ray called me at, at home and he called me and he said, yeah, I think it was the senior, bowl." he said, I watched your quarterback and he can play. That's all he said. That's all I watched your quarterback, and he can fly. And then the next draft comes, and lo and behold, not a first round pick, but he ends up drafting Bobby Hoying. Bobby Hoying looked very good in camp. And at, and at one point, he looked better than any quarterback in camp. Uh, didn't get his chance until late in the season against Baltimore. And after his game against Baltimore, it ended in a tie, but he played very, very well. John Gruden came to me and said, we should have played. <laughs> they called him my quarterback. We should have played your quarterback sooner. And then the next week, I believe he had the great game at, at back at the, at the vet against Cincinnati, where he outdueled Boomer Esiason. And the next day, the headlines were Hoy, H-O-Y, Hoy to the world. Those were the headlines in the daily news and uh, he, he won a game over Pittsburgh, then had a couple of uh, less impressive games, but it was going to be Bobby Hoying's team going forward. And then what happened, uh, um, miraculously, if, if they came back to the next camp. Bobby had come off in the off season. He had a, a case of appendicitis, and there was an infection involved. So he came back to camp weak. And not only that, they put him behind a worse offensive line than what the Eagles had this season. I mean, they couldn't block, and they gave him no wide receivers of any note. and Bobby spent most of the time looking up at the sky from a prone position. Of course, the following year, they drafted Donovan McNabb, and that was the end of Bobby Hoying. He went on to, but John Gruden grabbed him right away and brought him out to Oakland, and there he suffered an elbow injury and had Tommy John surgery. And uh, Bobby Bobby is now a successful commercial real estate guy in uh, Columbus, Ohio. But I still believe that Bobby Hoying, and I, I refuse to give up on this question, <laughs> I still believe that Bobby Hoying could have been not a Hall of Fame quarterback, but a
0: solid NFL quarterback if things had worked out right. Yeah, and it didn't help that Gruden left to become the head coach Right out west, and then and then Dana Bible came in as the defense as the offensive coordinator, and really didn't make it through the preseason before the Eagles no. brought in Bill Musgrave. And well, one of the so. great
1: one of the great lines I, I have ever heard a reporter have was Mark Eckel, who wrote for the Trenton Times, wrote they hired Dana Bible and didn't
0: have a prayer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. So I'll remember the Ray Rhodes era for a couple of things, Merrill. I'll remember for the. Draft selection of Mike Mamula, his first draft. Uh, he moved up to get Mike Mamula, and, and Warren Sapp was on the board. I'll remember that victory over the the Detroit Lions, because I, re- I remember one of their offensive linemen, Lomas Brown, had guaranteed a victory. And, and the, the Eagles, fans chanted, Lomas, Lomas. Yes. And, and they, uh, just a blowout, just a blowout at, at Veterans Stadium. Uh, and then I'll remember okay, uh, the okay, playoff here, loss. Here, against- I, got, I got a question for
1: you, Dave Spadaro. Okay. Who threw that? Rodney Pete threw a Hail Mary pass at the end of the first half, threw it half the length of the field. Who caught it for the Eagles?
0: Merrill, listen, you're, you're not dealing with an amateur here. I'm going to tell you it was Rob Carpenter. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Very good. Out of Syracuse University. That's right. Thank you. Not, it was a great moment. And then I believe, if I'm correct, the next week, wasn't that uh, – it was Dallas the next week, and mm-hmm. Rand and. And Randall wasn't ready to play. His wife had given birth. Well, what happened was
1: both. we all, we all went to Vero beach and went to yep. Dodger town where the, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers hold spring training and the Eagles took over Dodger town. And I remember that because they had a great, great golf course at Dodger town. But during the week, Randall went home. He went home, uh, because his wife Felicity was expecting their first child. And, um, uh, The interesting thing was he forgot his playbook at training camp, never even at that that camp. He never took his playbook back. And then the following Friday, the Eagles had their last practice before they departed for Dallas. And after practice, Randall arrived back from wherever he had gone for the birth of his first child. So uh, that didn't go over particularly well. Eagles flew into Dallas. They played a horrible game. Rodney Pete, Rodney Pete was the starting quarterback and he got hurt. And the press box announcer uh, said on the PA, Rodney Pete leaving the game, he's been dinged. And in came Randall Cunningham, and one of the Philadelphia writers yelled out, they they haven't seen things yet. And, and Randall came, came out there with no playbook behind him. I think he was calling his high school plays, and it was a disaster from there on. And what made it worse is we were mm-hmm. trapped in Dallas
0: for yep. three
1: days because the airport was closed in
0: Philadelphia because of a snowstorm. Yeah, exactly right. I remember I remember spending a lot of time in the hotel bar BSing with everybody during that trip. That was That was a lot of fun. I remember
1: going to the to the mall because I was running out of underwear.
0: <laughs> That's right. There was a mall across the street, and then then of course uh, the next year Eagles go back to the playoffs uh, in San Francisco. Just the offense falling apart. You kind of knew yeah. that the end of the era was was you can kind of feel it wearing down. And we'll talk about that with the other three coaches too. But do you remember uh, the so quarterback that was the, who finished the game? Uh, was it Ty Detmer? Nope. Uh, who who was it?
1: Mark Rippen.
0: Oh, Mark Rippen. Oh boy. Okay. Mark Rippon well, finished the game in San Francisco. I'm one for two. Maybe Ty started the game. I don't, I don't know. I'm one for two. Then in the Merrill Reese trivia <laughs> contest here. So, so then Merrill Then then the Eagles. Then it's Jeffrey Laurie and Joe Banner embark on a second coaching search in 1999, and they end up with a a somebody who. Uh, Nobody had ever heard of Andy Reid. Here is Jeffrey Lurie talking about Andy Reid as he introduced him to the Philadelphia media.
2: Well, today the turnaround begins. Philadelphia Eagles are extremely, extremely excited to announce the hiring of Andy Reid as our head coach. Uh, I can't tell you as an organization how happy we are. Uh, Pieces fell into the puzzle and just uh, things went well for us. and uh, I think we're all uh, extremely gratified to be able to uh, corral Andy, to bring such a, uh, a guy with such leadership ability, um, such integrity, such sense of organizational responsibility, and such football acumen uh, to Philadelphia. And uh, anyway, I just want to be very proud to welcome Andy Reid as our new head coach.
3: Thank you very much. I'm tremendously happy to be uh, part of the Philadelphia Eagles. What a great organization, what a great tradition. Uh, again, the sky's the limit here. And I, I honestly believe that I know that the management's going in the right direction. Uh, this obviously is the, the first step to putting the Philadelphia Eagles back on the map and and again, continuous continuing this uh, this great tradition.
0: Okay, Merrill. What did you? What, what, what were your early impressions
1: of Andy Reid? Well, can I tell you something first? Something something leading up to that was different than what has ever happened before or since. Different candidates would come to the event, and they would make them available to the media after they spoke with Jeffrey Lurie. I mean, I I remember one of them was Dom Capers. He was in Do, uh, Jim Haslett. He was in. And after they would after they would meet with the owner, they'd come down and have a press conference and and let us question the candidates. And Andy Reid came in, and we all talked to Andy Reid. And somebody wrote that they were, he reminded them a lot of Mike Holmgren, uh, even in appearance. And of course, that was the quote that was the coach they hired, the quarterback coach of the Green Bay Packers. And what a great decision that was.
0: And Merrill, I remember at that opening press conference, we heard from Jeffrey Lurie. Now let's hear from Andy Reid, some of the things that he said uh, back then about his path to bringing this West Coast offense to Philadelphia and just having a plan in place to win big in Philadelphia. That is exactly what he did. I have
3: confidence in myself and I think I'm able to give this organization uh, uh, the offense that, that has won a tremendous amount of rings in the National Football League. And you all in Philadelphia have had a taste of that. And then my organizational skills, I feel, will also uh, benefit the football operations part of this.
0: Uh, Merrill, um, what a great run for 14 years with with Andy Reid. I mean, to me, the only crime is that the Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl during that time. Otherwise, five NFC championship games, great success. Organization uh, was top-notch. Um, he had uh, good success in the draft and always, always, Eagles, the Eagles were always prepared.
1: They were. Uh, I thought there were some organizational mistakes at the end. Uh, Andy went through a tragic time uh, with his sons getting into trouble and ultimately with Garrett uh, dying of an overdose. Uh, and there were, it, it was a tumultuous time. And I don't think Andy had his head clear enough to do the job we were accustomed to with Andy. And I think they made a big mistake, and I I believe that uh, it came from the front office and not with Andy's approval of letting go of somebody by the name of Sean McDermott, who had followed the late Jim Johnson into the defensive coordinator's role. And they, they fired Sean McDermott after a, uh, a less than satisfying season, and Andy gave them Juan Castillo as the next defensive coordinator. Now, Juan Castillo was one of the most successful and popular offensive line coaches. You talk to Trey Thomas, you talk to guys who played with him, and they say he's the best offensive line coach they've ever played with. But he was not a defensive coordinator, and they threw him into that job, and it was an abject failure. And the next year at the bye, they finally fired him and gave the job to Todd Bowles to be the defensive coordinator. But at that point, Andy had a bad season, and Jeffrey said, I thought about changing, but we'll give him one more, and that was even worse. And at this point, the Eagles needed a new coach, and Andy Andy Reid needed a new city, and has he been successful ever since?
0: No question. It's always, see, it's always tough to see it end, but I mean, Merrill, uh, your relationship with Andy and and what you learned um, about football and about running a football organization and, and being a head coach of a team to me, um, much of what I believe about football, it, it comes from Andy Reid. And those in those years, I, I just the Eagles were always in the game. Well, uh, I had a uh, an early early uh,
1: initiation to Andy, which was not all that favorable. Uh, we did our first Andy Reid show, a Monday night show at camp, where we were supposed to take um, questions from from listeners, phone calls, and the first caller called up and said to Andy, "Andy, I figured out your problem. Your jockey shorts are on too tight." Well, that 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 didn't go over real well, so then Andy decided that the questions had to be had to be edited <laughs> and pre-recorded, and then a couple weeks in, he turned to. He he turned to people in the in the office and said um, that I, Meryl Reese, was too negative, and that he needed to have somebody else come in and do the show along with me, who could because I was far too negative. Um, Andy didn't like the fact that when we played the highlights of again the game from the previous day, that we would play all the highlights, Eagles highlights and Giants highlights or Cowboys highlights and put it together like a you know the the a synopsis a short synopsis of the game he thought that we could only play good eagles plays <laughs> we we could not play the opposition and i am somebody who who certainly loves the eagles and wants the eagles to win but i wasn't averse to saying to andy andy why did your offensive line struggle so much yesterday or andy are you concerned about the breakdowns in the secondary Andy didn't want those kind of questions, so they, they brought in Don Tollison to do the show with me, thinking that he could keep me in check. So, But but our relationship fortunately grew after that. We became very, very close, and uh, I, I love Andy Reid. He's a great man, and to this day, uh, we text back and forth regularly.
0: Merrill, after Andy left, uh, the Eagles went the college route for the first time, uh, the only time. And they brought in the flashiness of Chip Kelly and that Oregon offense. And oh boy, this is going to be fun. And for that first season, at first, certainly that first game when the Eagles opened up against Washington. And oh boy, was that a whole lot of fun. Uh, some of the highlights of that game. 85's at the bottom. Eagles bring five. It's picked up. And Griffin's pass is intercepted diving catch by Kerry Williams went to the ground maintained possession and it's another redskin turnover their third of the night so few last year, three already and Vick gets away from a would-be sack by Rackpo, heading for the sideline, going to be a four yard loss and they go down like bowling pins on that Washington sideline
1: Bakari Rambo took out a whole bunch of folks, including Jim Howie, the head linesman
0: Everybody seems to be okay. Loss of four. Off the great first half, LaShawn McCoy. What a move by McCoy! Look at McCoy! What a run! Eagle touchdown! Oh! That'll be of- Merrill, what did you think of Chip Kelly early on?
1: Well, my my initial impression was great. I had the press conference. Jeffrey Lurie asked me to step forward after the press conference, and he introduced me to Chip and said, Chip, I'd like you to meet Merrill Reese. He's the best play-by-play man in the National Football League. And Chip shook my hand, and he said, Merrill, so happy to meet you. When you have a few moments, come up, stop into my office. I'd love to pick your brain and hear your stories. So about a week later, Derek Boyko, the Eagles PR director, told me that uh, Chip was uh, not busy at the moment. Come on up. So he took me up to Chip's office. As I came through the door, Chip jumped up out of his desk, ran over to where I was, at the door shook my hand and said hi patted me on the back and sent me on my way he could care less about anything i had to say and that was the height of my relationship with chip kelly but somebody once told me that you can't win with schemes because if you're a great defensive coach like buddy ryan and you have a 46 defense give the offensive coordinators one off season and they'll be able to figure that defense out and be able to operate against it. Same thing with the offenses. You can have a, you can have a wide open West Coast offense. You can have anything you want, a spread offense. But if the defense, defensive coordinators have an offseason, they'll figure that one out too. You have to have communication. You have to have organization. You have to have motivation and you have to have execution and put all those things together. And you can win, but poor communication was what I think about when I think of Chip Kelly, and he never got through to the team.
0: Yeah, and the offense never evolved after that first year. But actually, they were you know they won the NFC East the first year, went to nine and three in year number two, and then it all fell apart very quickly. And it Jeffrey, did. if, if, you, made if, if you look at the
1: if you look at the end, see people will look at the that that second season and say, hey, they had a pretty good record even though they didn't make the playoffs. But you know what? If you take that post-Thanksgiving season, then the, where the, they had the great Thanksgiving Day in Dallas, and then you go to the rest of the games after that and take it through his final game in Washington, uh,
0: you'll, you'll see that the Eagles were a disaster under Chip Kelly. And they were blown out in games, and fans were leaving early, and it was just... Absolutely horrible. Okay, so you then know, all- I
1: said something. The, the worst of all, the most, the most embarrassing of all, was on national television in its final season in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, and that's the marquee game. And I remember saying, "Ladies and gentlemen, mercifully, the thing I am most thankful for on this holiday is that there are only three minutes and twelve seconds left in this game."
0: <laughs> Uh, and very true. So that what was interesting about that transition, Merrill, the Eagles relieved Chip Kelly of his duties with one game to go in the regular season. Pat Shermer becomes the interim head coach, and for a while there, as the Eagles beat the Giants, we all felt that Pat Shermer had a very good chance to win the we job. Did. Um and, and there was a lot of lobbying for Pat Shermer, and instead, uh-huh. the Eagles the Eagles made the announcement, and Jeffrey Lurie stepped to the podium and introduced Doug Peterson as the head coach. And here is what he had to say about Doug and the skills that he felt Doug would bring to the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: We started with about 25 candidates that we um, completely researched, analyzed, vetted, however you want to describe it. And that research started uh, during the season, uh, at some point late in the season. And um, it gave us some time to, if we needed to go this direction, uh, be fully prepared for the, uh, the search process. And um, uh, the good news in the NFL is there's a lot of real good candidates. Um, When we uh, went from uh, looking at 25 viable candidates, we then reduced it to about 10 candidates that we um, were very, very interested in, some of whom were existing head coaches on other teams waiting to see if they would be available uh, and creating our own top tier of candidates. Uh, in addition to to internal candidates. So uh, that list ended up being about 10, 11 candidates that we were totally focused on. Um, I have to say that uh, the the candidates we ended up interviewing were all impressive. Um, It is a really good fortune for people to develop such young talent and and multi-type of talent in the NFL, whether it's young coordinators, impressive internal candidates, very experienced, head coaches in the National Football League, Um, very, very impressive people, smart, and uh, really able to be very successful, I think, in the NFL. Um, We then basically, from all the interviews, continued to analyze research. And uh, with all of us and our advisors, um, unanimously came to the conclusion that the best man for the job and the best leader in this process was Doug Peterson. The main features with Doug that really uh, impressed all of us, and and especially myself, were first real smart. um, Real smart, strategic thinker. Um, Things we noticed early on in his career, but really blossomed uh, over the last um, decade of coaching. He'd been, uh, as a player and a coach, worked under uh, coaches that really knew how to do it right, whether it's Don Shula, Mike Holmgren, Andy Reid, um, these were well-organized coaches that uh, absolutely were at the forefront and are at the forefront of their profession. Um, as a player, uh, how he worked with our quarterbacks uh, that he was playing with and as coach, coaching them as well, um, terrific, just terrific. Um, communication skills, unparalleled. Um, a key ingredient for me, and its uh, I think when you go to this, it, it kind of defines – Differences between candidates and that is who is the most comfortable in their own skin? Uh, And when I say that what I mean is an ability to be genuine at all times and I got to spend a lot of time with our players uh, at the beginning of this coaching search and the message loud and clear which I agree with in terms of leadership in today's world no matter what is You've got to be comfortable in your, your own skin in order to be able to reach out be genuine with those you want to get high performance from, be accountable to them, and make them accountable to you. And um, uh, when you get down to it, that's, that's something that uh, we were not going to go away from. That was a very key variable, and uh, um, Doug has that and unquestionably. Um, you know, I think that um, what Doug brings also is an understanding of the passion of our fans in Philadelphia. Uh, This wasn't a requirement for the job, but he understands how dedicated, obsessed we all are to bring a Super Bowl to Philadelphia. He's talked about it for for years and years and years. He continues to talk about it and understands uh, a lot of the issues of uh, what we all want to bring to the best city in terms of uh, football fans imaginable.
0: And then, Merrill, before we hear from you on this, because I know Doug is very close with both of us. Doug spoke about some of the things that he could bring to Philadelphia. Lo and behold, he did not mention a Lombardi trophy, but he certainly did deliver that. Here is Doug Peterson on day one as the head coach of the Eagles.
4: I'm standing here before you just a humbled human being. There's a lot of people I want to thank. And uh, the first people is obviously the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Clark Hunt and the Hunt family for giving me the opportunity to be the offensive coordinator there for three years. Mark Donovan, the team president coach Andy Reed, uh, one of my mentors in my life and then turn this chapter of my life back to Philadelphia started my career here in 1999 as a starting quarterback came back as a position coach with coach Reed, and now back as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles so with that I want to thank Tina and Jeffrey Lurie for this opportunity Howie Roseman, Don Smolensky, the search team, the committee, the efforts that were put forth in finding their next head coach. And last but not least, I want to thank my wife who's here today, Jeannie. She's been my rock, my support, my inspiration for anything and everything that we've done together as as a couple. Looking at the Philadelphia Eagles, what intrigued me about coming back to Philadelphia? One is an opportunity to, to lead young men, an opportunity to, to be surrounded by quality individuals, top-notch individuals, a tremendous owner, an owner that has gives you the fullest of support, the players that are in this room. My challenge to them is that we're going to work every day. We're going to work hard every day. We're going to come to work every day as coaches, It's our job to make you better, to make you better as individuals, to make you better as men, and to make you better as Philadelphia Eagles. And that's my job. It starts with me. I understand the culture and the passion of Philadelphia. I get it. I experienced that as a position as a quarterback in 1999. I experienced that firsthand. And now coming back, I understand what it feels like to win in this city. This city hasn't won, and this organization hasn't won in quite some time. It's my job to turn that around. And you do it one day at a time. You do it one player at a time. You do it one coach at a time. So as I continue to go through the evaluation process, you know, nothing's settled. Nothing's settled. You evaluate the team. You evaluate the coaches. You you want to put the best people in place not only for the Philadelphia Eagles, but people that that are, are Doug Peterson people, people that I can trust, coaches that I can trust, coaches that I can trust. They're doing the best things for their players, whether it be in the training room, the strength and conditioning department, the personnel department, and obviously the coaching department. And so I'm proud to announce right now Jim Schwartz will be our defensive coordinator for the 2016 Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm excited to have him, his track record, his defenses that have led the National Football League. I've had a chance to coach against him and I'm glad he's on our team now. And so I'm honored to have him to be a part of, to, to be a part of uh, my staff.
0: Merrill, what do you remember about your initial thoughts, Doug, as the head coach. Thrilled. Absolutely
1: thrilled. I have I had known Doug by that time for 19 years. I knew him from the time Andy Reid brought him in to become the sacrificial lamb until Donovan McNabb was ready and the offensive line was ready to protect him. So Doug went out there and took a beating week after week and never complained. Always a wonderful person and i remembered him coming back uh being on andy Reid's staff uh as a quarterback coach and i i remember a lot about doug peterson and when he came in i said you know what the words that jeffrey Lurie used in that press conference and i remember them as if it were yesterday were emotional intelligence that's what doug peterson had emotional intelligence and he was an excellent communicator and nobody will ever convince me that Doug Peterson wasn't a very, very good head coach.
0: And, Merrill, of course, 2017, just two years into his tenure, magical season, historical season, uh, right? Like, for you, I would imagine the greatest ride of your professional career.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. With the
1: championship, amazing. But you know what? Doug Doug made every one of us feel a part of it, didn't he? he his enthusiasm, his feelings spread throughout that entire building. He made I go back to Dick Vermeule, of course, and Dick Vermeule used to get up at, after every win and say, "This is a testament to everybody in this building, to every secretary, to everybody." It's it's a combination of all of us doing our jobs. And you know what? Doug made everybody in that Novacare building during the week feel that they were a contributor
0: but they were part of the Eagles' great achievement. Yeah, and that's it. So, so five years of Doug Peterson, and we will wish him the best of luck and remember him fondly. And, Merrill, as we look back at the four coaches, uh, one defensive coach, three offensive coaches, the only common thread is that all four started their NFL head coaching careers in Philadelphia. Does that at yeah. all give you any hint as to what Jeffrey might be thinking now?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you this. It doesn't make any difference if he comes from the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. If, As long as that, that defensive coach brings a great offensive coordinator or if that offensive coach brings a great defensive coordinator, I want a leader. I want somebody who can capture that locker room, inspire people, motivate, and organize. That's what a head coach has to be. X's and O's are overrated. Head coach doesn't have to be that quote genius. He just has to know how to tie it all together and have the right staff with him. And one other thing, I remember Dick Vermeil saying, and this has to do with staffs. Dick said to be successful, a head coach has to surround himself with people
0: good enough to take his job. And that will do it for this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Merrill for his time. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Trevor Hayes, Ray Doyle for their work. Thanks to all of you for joining us once again here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Sure do miss that playoff football, don't we? Well, stay with us. The Eagles are going to be hiring a head coach, and it could be very soon. If you have a moment to give us a review, the link is in the details section of your podcast library. In the meantime, everybody, I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks so much for joining. We really appreciate it. And I, just like you, anxiously awaiting the Eagles' decision for the next head coach. In the meantime, have yourselves a great Eagles day, everyone. And as always, fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S,
4: Eagles! Raise a glass to that comforting feeling of an Eagles touchdown with the all-new Broad and Patterson Wine Collection created in partnership with Wink featuring a Cabernet, a Rosé, and a Chardonnay. Broad and Patterson wines are the perfect pairing for any occasion. Now you can bring the sweet taste of victory with you to a dinner with friends or to the tailgate with your game day crew. Purchase online today at philadelphiaeagles.com to stock up and have Broad and Patterson delivered right to your door. A portion of proceeds from every bottle benefit Eagles Autism Foundation.